and the cream. So let's bring it back. Here. Yeah, let's, let's bring, bring it full it circle. How do we articulate this to our listeners? Where are we right now? Mm. How have your thoughts changed initially from when you first got into Bitcoin to where we are now? And how do you see them evolving going forward? Uh, so the pathetic part is that my thoughts have not changed all that much, uh, <laughs> despite getting older. By the way, folks, I got a kid on the way now. Like, oh, yeah. congratulations! Thank you. That's awesome, Thank man. You. Uh, Fuck yeah, that's young, awesome. Yeah, a boy, a boy. I found out recently. Um, so yeah, I'm getting older. My thoughts are not changing. Um, They're gonna change quickly, from what I assume. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but um, where we are today. We're at the end of the beginning. We're at the end of the beginning. Uh, the 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 very I mean the beginning of the beginning was like you know until Satoshi left. Mm-hmm. The middle of the beginning was, I think, until the what I, what I'll loosely call the macro hedge fund guys got interested. Mm-hmm. I think that the turning point was when. Kyle Bass came out and said he changed his <sighs> mind. Folks, on Real what, Vision, if you haven't watched that interview with who was that Grant Williams? Yeah. You got to you got to look it up. It's a great one. Yeah, uh go go out. He goes deep into China on that too, which is very interesting yeah, as well. Fantastic podcast. Uh we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um and so why why is that important you might ask? Well, it's important because of what I'm talking about as Bitcoin is an asset class. Bitcoin as a vehicle for speculative attacks on fiat currencies. And when the macro hedge fund guys... So, Kyle Bass was negative on Bitcoin. You know, as negative as Jamie Dimon is on it today. You know what's interesting, though? He was negative for for all those dumb reasons. He didn't look into it as far as... as He only looked at it at face value. Yeah. Uh, And so, once... One, and it's very hard, it's very hard to change your opinion on an entire asset class or, or an asset like uh, that's as, as weird and as out there as Bitcoin. But uh, so when someone does change their opinion, to me that is a page turning, and I think that it, uh, the the page we turn to is a new chapter, uh, which is uh, the, the serious, you know, what we'll call institutional money. Mm-hmm. Coming into Bitcoin, um, and that we've we've we I think we exhausted the retail investors in the last bubble to twelve hundred, mm-hmm. and that's why we had such a long uh, period. Yeah, it was probably like an eighteen month bear market. Yeah, and now we have uh, we we've got the folks who have multi hundred million dollar, multi billion dollar portfolios who are looking to put a. You know, single-digit percentage allocation into cryptos, and frankly, that is what drives the price. From you know, the bottom was two seventy, I think, and then we kind of like drifted up to eight hundred, and then sixteen hundred, and then two thousand, and then three thousand. It all started. It all started around this time last year, I think. I think we we made the jump from like. 500 towards 700 yeah. from October to November and then around Christmas between Christmas and New Year's it hit a thousand and came back down and then poof, we're here now and yeah it's like yeah, so, I can't believe we're at six thousand dollars like send like if you're sending yeah. Bitcoin these days like how weird is it for you like it's sending so sending like a, I got I got paid for that ad today forty five dollars worth of Bitcoin yeah. back when it's I was a little, little fraction exactly of it was like point oh oh seven Bitcoin I was like shit when I was like 
when I was buying forty five dot like doing yeah. auto buys of like fifty back in yeah. the day, I was getting like a, uh, almost a quarter of a bitcoin. Like it's infuriating how few bitcoins you get. Exactly, For, your dollar does not go as far as it used to. <laughs> It really does it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so to me that that's uh, the the institutional phase where we have the price going up in leaps and bounds due to big fiat whales coming in. And yeah, I think that's where we're at. Uh, I think it's going to continue. Uh, we'll continue to have momentum. We'll have a bear market. We'll have multiple more bear, mm-hmm. bulls and bear markets. Um, but I think that now we're kind of in the phase of... You know, uh, at some point, Jamie Dimon comes out and says, look, Bitcoin's better than the U.S. dollar. Uh, And and that's when we know that we've turned to the next page and we're in hyper-Bitcoinization. And that's, I will, I don't know if we'll ever see that day, but if we do, I will. He might not say it. He might not say it explicitly. He might not say it to us. He might say it to somebody in private. He'll say but... it to somebody in private, and I'm sure Janet Yellen at some point. <sighs> you know, we'll we'll be having a we'll we'll be having like an old fashioned with her at some bar here in New York City, and uh, we'll reminisce on uh, how late she is to the party, but how we're glad to have her anyway. I feel like she would like the Caroline Bar on the Upper East Side. Yeah, we'll bring her there. And uh, it's a very nice bar, a uh, very classy bar. We could crush a couple Manhattans there, Janet. Let me know. Let, let us yeah, know. Let us know. Um, it's on us. It is on us. They don't take dollars. This is this is thirty years in the future, and hopefully they've got some uh, life extension technology as well. And you're here with us. <laughs> but um, oh, that turned dark. That turned. Dark. I'm sorry. I'm That's sorry. That's okay. That's okay. Um, but uh, we're talking about hyperbitcoinization. Yep. Alexa, what I want to talk about. Institutionally, so we're we, yes, we're about to turn the page. So we've got infrastructure getting built, so these retail inv- you know, or you, these wholesale investors can come in. Here, here's what I think is like the biggest like piece led- of infrastructure that's getting that just got put into place. Ledger X, Ledger X, futures markets, but they only have one day options right now, right? They so they've got they've got uh, put and call options, okay, and they've got a day ahead swap. A day ahead swap. That's what I was talking about. Day ahead swap. Now you say, oh, they've only got a day ahead swap. To me, that's actually the best possible swap you could get, because you're doing the runaround around the regulatory system, which is that means you want it. In all practical and in practical intents and purposes, this day ahead swap. It's a derivative. It's awfully close to a spot market. You know, mm-hmm. it's a day away from a spot market. Mm-hmm. And really, when you think about like sending cash to an exchange and then withdrawing the bitcoins, that's going to take you like four days. Easily. Um, yeah, Easily. it can take you a week. And if you go directly, if you don't send cash to your account first and you just do it directly from your bank account, it takes at least a week. Yeah. So At least on Coinbase. So, day ahead swap in my mind, I know that, let's be clear, it is a derivative. I don't want to get Ledger X in trouble here. It's a derivative. It's regulated by the CFTC. Uh, it has a tremendous effect on the spot market. And it opens up the door to new institutional players. And it creates a level of the fact that Ledger X is a CFTC blessed entity that is, and uh, frankly, like when you look at the different regulators, like the, the SEC. You know, pretty hit or miss. It's body records. SEC's shit. Thank you. They're shit. 
They literally, <laughs> look, they're very selective of what they enforce, and they don't go after what they should. Freaks, the SEC did not protect you from Enron. No. Okay. No. They're not going to protect you from the next one. Um, the CFTC, uh, from from what I've seen, is a a quality regulator. Yeah. So uh, the CFTC regulating Ledger X, I think, uh, instills a tremendous amount of confidence in. Uh, institutions, whether it's hedge funds or private equity or whoever has capital out there that is looking to juice their returns with a little crypto, um, get a day ahead swap on Ledger X. You you get your bitcoins the next day, and it is, I think, going to crack open. You know, like you know, I was saying, like we're at the beginning of this next chapter. To me, there's a Ledger X, Kyle Bass coming around like it's it's huge, and and these investors are are chomping at the bit. They're just yeah. waiting for these products that allow them to to do this legally. They've so been they hyped up. In. They've been hyped up. They and they, I think they they have more than the fear of missing out. They got more than FOMO because they have been missing out, and they know they've been missing out. And That's they just want to get in, and they don't really care what price to get in at. And I'm curious to see the slippage that happens when they do come in. Oh, like, uh, yeah. How big is that going to be? Like, like, the massive amount of money that's coming in. Like, some people are saying, some people are saying there's like a half a trillion of do- dollars, like, waiting to come in. That would be five minutes. Well, what we okay. Are that, that gives us instant hyper Bitcoinization. Yeah. But um, if we have a fraction of that, you know, we're talking about huge price moves. Um. Yeah, and then let's get into it. Yeah, do you think these crypto hedge funds are a good idea? Like, why would you want a hedge fund to take custody of your Bitcoin on behalf of you and pay three and thirty? They're right. charging three and thirty. Three not, and thirty. Wow. Not two so, and twenty. They're charging three and thirty. Your folks, management fees. Folks, an expensive hedge fund is two and twenty. Three and thirty. Whoo. Three okay. and thirty. This I've talked to some people starting crypto hedge funds, and their management fees are yeah. going to be three and thirty. Some of the more that's egregious. So, so yeah, some of the less egregious ones are doing two and thirty, but the, wow. the performance fee is thirty percent across the board, from what I've heard. Um, so there's different uh, considerations there. Um, I think that like what I would call the normie case for these hedge funds is that hey, they're gonna go out and they're gonna research all the altcoins for you, so you don't have to do it. Uh, those hedge funds. Are going to have the same experience as most altcoin investors. They're gonna get burnt. Sorry for your loss. And the the amount of crypto hedge funds that are being started, like the amount of conversations I've had around it, like it's yeah. like, and the best part about it, is, I mean, it's a little uh, Schadenfreude. What is it? Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. Yeah, yeah. A little Schadenfreude. German word. But it's a little like it's it's people that found Bitcoin earlier this year, right? When yeah. about when above a thousand, they're usually rich, well off. Yeah. Went to prep school, went to a good college, went to a Harvard and Ivy League, and and they're like, ah, oh, they figured out this market in seven months, and they're going to start a hedge fund and and start. They're going to get humbled. They're going to get humbled. And that's yeah, and it's going to. And I'm interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, I mean, and, the best case scenario is that they. They they match Bitcoin's performance, right? Uh, that's kind of the. But do you think do you think the ecosystem could survive? Uh, like, because I have a feeling Bitcoin itself will get blamed for, or oh, um, the failure of these these funds. Hmm. I I think that there's been enough failure around Bitcoin and crypto that 
um, that won't be an issue. Uh, I, I think, though, that so you know there there is the case that you know these hedge funds are just going to be investing in altcoins and trying to make they're going to be like prop trading. Um, uh, so other hedge funds are, I'd say, slightly more sophisticated in that they're saying that they're going to do uh, arbitrage between exchanges. Mm-hmm. Um, the the problem, and I because I, I've researched this issue too. It's like obviously I want to make money, so it's like oh well, what if I arbitrage between exchanges? Uh, the risk there is that your capital is tied up in doing this arbitrage while the price is going up, and you're missing out on massive gains because you're trying to pick up nickels, you know, between exchanges. We, and, what do we have a, a thousand a thousand dollar candle the other day? Yeah, and you can yeah. get you can get caught up in that bullshit. Like that's why, again, and I think it was 2015, midway through, I was like, all right, I'm fucking done trading. I'm yeah. putting the stuff in a treasure. I'm just going to keep adding to it. I'm not going to sell any of it. I'm just going to keep adding. There's a reason there's spreads between the exchanges. It's because it's not entirely rational to be trying to capture those spreads. Uh, you know, markets, generally speaking, are a little efficient. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, And then I think the third kind of hedge fund is essentially a uh, vehicle for hodling uh, while, you know... Could you imagine paying a 30% fee for hodling, though? Well, okay, 33? so the, the 30% is when you exit, right? Yeah. When those gains uh, that's are true. realized. That's well, 3%. You're paying 3% so a year just, to hodl. Let's call it a 3% fee to hodl. Uh, I I could see that if I'm not tech savvy and and this is a small, tiny percentage of my portfolio that I outsource it and I pay mm-hmm. a 3% fee. Mm-hmm. Reasonable. Reasonable. Um I don't know which hedge funds are that, which hedge funds, and and then you get into the fact that they're honeypots now. They're huge they're honeypots, honeypots for hackers. And there's not just external hackers. There's internal hackers. That's true. And there's people who will just walk away with your money. They might have been registered with the SEC. They might have appeared as a completely legitimate. They you might have known them. You get a disgruntled. You get a disgruntled system admin. He's walking away with your yeah. wallet. That file. Look. If it was easy for Madoff to do, it's even easier in crypto to do, to walk away with cash. You could buy a new identity, yeah, move to the Bahamas, and nobody will ever see you again. And be. I, I went on vacation to Bermuda, and actually, I would, I, would, I would go to Bermuda before Bahamas. Look, if I was advising a high net worth individual on how to get involved in this space, I would actually... I would go cypherpunk on their ass. Yeah, I would that... tell them, "Hey, look, let's let's set up a server in your basement. Let's put a full node up. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, let's let's talk about uh, server security. Let's talk about firewalls. Let's, you know, like if you want to get into the biggest wealth creation of the history of humanity." Sorry, but you're going to need to bone up on the technicals a little bit, and especially if you're putting in a million dollars, because that million dollars might not mean a lot to you. It's going to be a hundred million dollars in ten years. Yeah. It's going to be a billion dollars in ten years. You don't even know how much wealth you're putting on that server. Do you really want it to disappear overnight? It doesn't mean a lot to you, but it might mean a lot to your descendants at some point. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, and in that same vein, like. That is one of my favorite things about Bitcoin as well. One of my favorite tweets that I've been sharing for like yeah. the past four months, this dude, Neil Woodfine. Do you know Neil? 
Uh, I, I know of him. I follow him on Twitter. I'm an admirer of him. I'm an admirer of yours as well, Neil. But he has this tweet that I've been sharing with a bunch of people. Um, Bitcoin, if it's successful, will usher in the next enlightenment because yeah. it forces people to learn things and think in a way that they've never thought before. It's true. And I can say this is a fact just from learning about cryptography, learning about cold storage and doing cold storage yeah. myself. Like. If this works, if this experiment works, our civilization is going to be better off because of it. So uh, I, I majored in accounting, and the reason I got into software development is because of Bitcoin. Uh, and so I think that, that that gives us a glimpse into what Bitcoin is going to do to our society, which is that uh, it makes it so that um, knowing about computers being tech savvy is not just going to be a competitive advantage it's going to be a prerequisite for your ability to function in this society where uh, cash is stored on digital devices and there's only so much that can be done to secure those devices um, because at the end of the day you're, you're going to be outsourcing that work to other people if you're not doing it yourself uh, and I, th I think that it's incumbent upon any of our listeners today to start thinking seriously about the fact that now is the time that you need to learn more about computers. That's, this is 100% true. Like, this is, if Marty's going to give you any advice, it's start learning about computer science and how this stuff operates. I, myself, I didn't start learning. I didn't learn HTML and CSS till I was 22 years old. Yeah. But... If you're looking at where the world is and where it's going, like it's, it should be 100% obvious to you that you're going to need to learn. Kids are going to stop learning Spanish and French in, in grade school, and they're going to start learning JavaScript and Java yeah. and C++. C++. Right. Like This is what needs to happen going forward. We live in the information age now, and this is the natural progression of where things are going. Yeah, Mark Andreessen said software is eating the world, it's, and I, I yeah. think that Bitcoin is just another example of that. Um, but to me, it's kind of the penultimate example. It's just the the end all be all in eating software money. eating the world. Yeah, uh, because of just how huge money is in its role in our society. And um, I got a got a couple of reader emails here right yeah, in line with this topic. One topic: cold storage. So uh, one topic I'd love to see covered on Tales from the Crypt is securely storing Bitcoin and other altcoins. I've read twenty plus articles on the subject, and I still don't really understand what a wallet is. Mm. and what I need to do and how to do it. Just thoughts. Thanks. So we're going to go into cold storage. I guess we got to start with what is a wallet, yeah. which is a very interesting question yeah. because that is basically it's just a GUI interface that interacts with the protocol. Correct? Well, uh, I mean, we can get even more basic than that. Um, a, a wallet is a set of private keys. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, a set of private keys is just, you know, it's just... Uh, you know, several private keys. And a, a private key is a series of numbers and letters, capitalized and uncapitalized. Uh, and so that's kind of, that's like the, that is the bare bones of a wallet is your private keys. So the reason that securing a wallet is important is because the wallet contains private keys. Uh, and so the the private keys are what allow you to spend bitcoins. Uh, they, yeah, they unlock bitcoins from a certain you know 
output of on the blockchain to a new as an input into a new transaction uh and so you it i I can't stress enough how important it is that these private keys as their name implies remain private and um you are the only person who can access them so then when we think about okay well now a wallet is a set of private keys and there's a variety of ways of storing numbers and letters. Uh, at one extreme, I'm not necessarily advising people to do this, but consider the possibility that it might be the right solution for you. You, you, you take um, a, a brick of metal and you stamp mm-hmm. numbers and letters into it. You stamp your private key onto this brick of metal. Uh, the reason you do that is so that if your house burns down, that brick of metal is the last item remaining. It, it, you, you go into the charred remains of your house, and you pick up that brick of metal, and it has it like a dog tag on a, a man shot, you know, on Iwo Jima. Uh, it has his name. It's akin on to it. this. Yes. That is that is your Bitcoin private key, the, the dog tag. Uh, would a would a fireproof safe suffice? So okay, so let's let's go to the next notch in this continuum. So you 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 print out a paper wallet. So basically, you print out these numbers and letters on a piece of paper, or you know, if you're if you're paranoid about printers, you write it out. Yes, it's true. Uh, Especially printers we, hooked up to Wi-Fi. Printers hooked up to Wi-Fi, to Ethernet, to USB. Because printers actually have memory built into it, so this this really gets into like how paranoid are you? How much money are you talking about? And I think as I go through this continuum, it's 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 very important to keep in mind that these decisions depend a lot on what what threats do you think there are out there for your money, and how much cost do you think that those threats are going to incur to get a hold of your money? So, um, so all right. So let's say you, you write out your your private key onto this piece of paper. Uh, piece of advice: laminate it. Okay? Yes, laminate it because paper will uh, will wear and tear with time. Uh, and then you put it in a fireproof safe. Uh, there's n- a number of options for fireproof safes. Uh, take a look at the rating. Maybe thirty minutes is enough for you. Maybe an hour is better. Do your research. Do your research. Depends on how flammable your house is. <laughs> uh, and also, like, uh, it, it, when you're doing your research, like, look at look, look at putting a fireproof. They've got like these uh, briefcases, a fireproof briefcase. Like I call it a briefcase, but these things are like 50 pounds. And and then you put it inside your fireproof gun safe. Whoa. See, now we're getting we're we're getting ultra cypherpunk here. Yeah, so like there's there's uh, and and then you you know you you bolt down your gun safe to your basement, and like you can take this to the nth degree, and then uh, you know how safe is your gun safe? Is it resisting uh, someone you know hitting it with a hammer for an hour, or is it resisting a a highly trained safe cracker for three hours? And and then you, you you really get into like bank security right like vaults mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure everyone here has seen uh, like Ocean's Eleven and that's kind of what we're talking about like if you're remember sec- 
I'm the Brad Pitt. I'm not Matt Damon from Ocean's <laughs> Eleven. This is you, this. We talked about this in the first you episode. Got a Brad we Pitt on, look to you. Yeah, yeah, I can eat and talk enough. pretty well as well. Fantastic. And there was actually a homeless guy on the Upper East Side that thought I looked like Brad Pitt. Hey. So that's what the story's referencing. There you go. <laughs> So if we want to go to an Ocean's Eleven level. Yes, you can go to an Ocean's Eleven level. And really, it's about what what is the value of the Bitcoin stored on those private keys? Okay, so let's um, let's dial it down a little bit. You know, that's a little hardcore. You know, we're talking about cold. We're talking about really cold storage here, folks. Uh, and so if we dial it down a little bit, uh, we get into hardware wallets. Uh I personally have never used a hardware wallet. Um, really? I was initially very skeptical of hardware wallets because it seems like they have a target on their back. They're advertising themselves as something that you store money on. It's true. Seems like that would get intercepted in the shipment or even the creator of the hardware wallet. Might be, but um, I've heard so many people uh, speak glowingly of it that I'm, I won't trash it on today's show. I'll um, say I yeah. own a Trezor. Yeah, I own a Trezor. I've used Trezor, and for me, you would know better than I because you can read code and you can actually audit the code. But for me, Trezor is run by Slush, mm-hmm. who, for those of you that don't know, he created the first Bitcoin mining pool. Yeah, uh, he's a very good dude, in my opinion, from what I can tell. And Trezor is completely open source. So, right. in my opinion, as a Trezor holder, that's that it. That's something that could be constantly attacked, and there's eyes on it at all times since it's open source. And if there were to be a flaw, which has happened, uh, it would be yeah. discovered and and found pretty quickly. And with the hardware wallets, in my opinion, like the you're most at risk to somebody stealing it physically. So as long right, as you're getting protected right. from being physically stolen, you're good. Yeah, uh, that's a good point because think about. Think about your home security. Um, and frankly, this isn't just about Bitcoins. Um, this is about, yeah, I mean, whether it's Jameson getting swatted or, you know, you getting burglarized, um, you know, have have a security system, have cameras, uh, and uh, make sure that not only are your Bitcoin assets secured, but your family and your belongings, too. Um, okay, so let's go to the next step, which is having. So you got the hardware wallet, but you can also you essentially can have a hardware wallet if you have a, a laptop that is just dedicated mm-hmm. to holding bitcoins on it, and basically you don't connect it to the internet. You just you use it as a, a standalone like bitcoin uh, storage yeah. mechanism. And what would you? download a wallet onto a USB and upload it onto that laptop without connecting to the internet? Or would you connect to the internet well, once, download Electrum? This gets back into your paranoia, right? Because yeah. at that point, if 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 you created the wallet on your internet-connected device, arguably, might be compromised already. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to think about... Um, th- there are mechanisms for... Essentially, you create the wallet on the laptop... Without ever being connected to the internet, just via the terminal and yeah, you know, you you download the software. You know, like again, lots of risks, but I, I think that if you're if you you really gotta like, here's this goes back to the conversation about understanding computers, because it's very hard to assess the relative risk of different wallet setups 
if you don't have a feel for what are the risks in computer information security. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, and it, it, there's there's so many different complications to it. What operating system are you running? Are you, you know, even like what, what was the manufacturer of the laptop? Yeah. You can, down, you can go down to the chip, manufacturing yeah. the chips. Yeah. That's, that's the big thing we had with Bitmain earlier this year with Amplied yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And, is there a backdoor on the chip? Is there yeah. something else going on? Um, so, yeah, so there's the dedicated laptop. Uh, and then there's just, okay, just have a download Bitcoin Core, put it on your desktop, and send Bitcoins to it, and, you know, whatever. Um, so that's kind of the next step. And then uh, you've got mobile wallets. Uh, I use Green Address. Uh, green address seems reasonably secure, um, and you just okay. Here's here's one thing: you're, you're using these less secure wallets, whether it's on your desktop or on your mobile. Make sure you back it up. Uh, plenty of people have lost bitcoins from erasing their phone or getting their phone stolen, or you know, accidentally erasing their hard drive or throwing their hard drive out that had bitcoins on it. Back up your wallet. That, that you're you're just as risk at much risk of losing your bitcoins accidentally than getting hacked. Yes, that is a very good point to make. And don't only back up your wallet. Back up if you're using two FA. Back up your two FA key yes. as well. That is yes. that happened to me once. I got yeah. screwed. Ouch. It's a lesson you only have to learn once. Yeah. Write down like so. If you use Google Authenticator, you can physically write down recovery keys so you can yeah. get access to your to your codes to give you your two FA authorization. Uh, I just I just want to finish with do all of the above, mm-hmm. diversify in a sense. Uh, that's, so yeah, let's break it down for these freaks. What yeah. would you recommend to the average, okay, non technical tech illiterate yeah. Joe Schmo who's buying yeah. Bitcoin on Coinbase most likely, yeah. but doesn't want doesn't want exchange risk. Okay, so um, my first instinct is. If if you've got an iPhone, uh, you know you you guys. Of course, you guys have heard about the fapping. Okay, I know you freaks have jerked off to these celebrity pictures. Okay, and they 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 got hacked. And they were using iPhones, and their iCloud accounts got hacked. It's a fun well, week. F- yeah, exhausting week. <laughs> uh, the 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 um, fallout from that. Is that Apple dramatically dialed up the security on the iPhone? Really, and that's why there was a controversy about whether the FBI should be able to access an iPhone if the person's not putting in their PIN. And so, like, if the FBI can't get into your iPhone, guess what? Hackers can't either. Let's. Let's yeah. not give Apple a free pass here. The last iOS update. Yeah. That password. Did you see that? No. Oh, oh that, that was a bug. The password. Yeah. That's a bad bug. That's a bad gonna, bug. That's a bad bug if you're going to have a bug. Was that iOS? That was iOS giving Fuck. away people's Apple ID passwords. Ouch. As their hint. Okay. But they fixed it. Having said that, having said that, for your average Joe out there, I think that a mobile wallet is a reasonable place. Assuming you're backing up the keys, 
is a reasonable place to store your bitcoins. Um, just because Apple has put so much effort into making it secure, so that you freaks are not jerking off to celebrities, and and so somebody's not jerking off to your pictures at some point in the future. Yes, um, and so that someone is not hiring a hooker with the bitcoins that they got off of your phone. All right, so we're we're on mobile wallets. What mobile wallets do you recommend? Would you recommend blockchain.info? Um, I've never used them, uh, and I I'm not a huge fan of them as a company, so I would advise against that. Having said that, again, I would rather have you install three different mobile wallets that are reputable, and blockchain.info like. Yeah, people are gonna scream at me for this, but arguably reputable, right? They're VC backed, et cetera. Um, so yeah, keep some bitcoins there. Uh, there's Green Address, which I think is more reputable than Blockchain.info, and that's the app I use personally. Uh, and then there's Bread Wallet, which I've used in the past before I started using Green Address. Uh, and so yeah, my advice is to um, if, and I'm assuming you're not putting more than like. I don't want to sound like an asshole, but more than like two grand. Yeah, no, definitely not. Don't put not more than two grand on your mobile wallet. That's probably not a good idea, uh, because yeah, f- frankly, like as good as the security is, let's let's play it safe here, folks. Um, all right, so you're you're you're, let's say you are you're doing really well for yourself. You're putting away more than two grand, so you need to jump up from the mobile wallet. Um, The the next, uh, personally, I, I kind of see it as a dichotomy. Is that if, if you're either on mobile wallet or you're on paper wallet, really? Yeah, this is blowing my mind because I'm a hardware wallet type of guy. I know, but I yeah, I'm a I'm a, I, I, my my view is that like if if I okay, so here's here's my you know approach to this, and I'm giving away security secrets, so hopefully this doesn't lead me to getting hacked. But anyway. <laughs> Don't um, say it, don't say it. You know, like, download, like, a mainstream Linux distribution, and this is, like, probably too much. Yes, it's too much. It's, it's, our listeners, these freaks are not going to be able to download a Linux distribution and do this. So, Guys. here's why I'll, I'll give I'll give a case for a hardware wallet. Yes, that's fair. I don't care if I lose my treasure. Yeah. Like, I don't give a fuck. Nobody's ever going to figure out my pin. As long as I have my private keys written down, like, I, I can... I can spin up an Electrum wallet and and recover my treasure, right? Bitcoin, and again, it comes back to the physical. Like these hardware wallets need to be physically attacked, and they need to be in the physical uh, possession of the attacker that then needs to hook it into their own computer. And um, yeah, okay, so yeah, that's fair. Uh, get yourself a Trezor, um, and I, I think that. And then, so okay, you know, let's say you put up to fifty grand on there. Above fifty grand, sorry, buddy, you got to start learning about computers. That's just that's just the way it is. It's two thousand seventeen. Bitcoin's taking over the world, uh, and you, since since you're buying bitcoins, and you have this amount of money, you're inherently intelligent enough to understand how <laughs> computers work. This I, there's just it's just undeniable. So uh, once you you know okay so go on Coursera. There's so many online resources. I'm telling now. you, Rusty Russell, like his yes, his 
idiot's guide. It, Let's he calls add that it the, unre- the, sh- he, the show notes. We got to we got to Yes, link to I'm going to put this in the show notes. He goes yeah. to the unreliable guide to Bitcoin cold storage. It's funny title, but yeah. he goes in depth like if you want to go like super schizo paranoia and create your private keys with the roll of a dice and, and yeah and create your passwords that, that actually that is a that in terms of okay so hey you freaks probably don't know this computers have a very hard time generating random numbers because as i was saying earlier they are extremely logical systems and in an extremely logical system it's very hard to get random numbers so you 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 get your las vegas casino dice that by law must be purely random, right? <laughs> yeah. Even though I know I know you guys have had bad experiences at casinos and you've lost money at the craps table, but those dice are honest, I'm telling you. It's one vice I'm happy I never had as a gambling <laughs> habit. Uh, and so yeah, you uh you you create your private keys using dice. Um but what I uh, what I was going to say Oh, I lost track. Oh, this whole discussion is moot because most of you are going to lose your bitcoins by sending it to a scammer, okay? <laughs> you are going to get manipulated. You are going to get socially engineered into sending your bitcoins to a scammer. And that's how you're going to lose your bitcoins, not by someone tapping into your internet connection and you know sending you some fake data about you know, like etc like it's not going to be a sophisticated hack and uh, I, I saw this uh when i was working at bitpay uh bitpay got hacked for millions of dollars worth of bitcoins today it's tens of millions of dollars worth of bitcoins right uh and here's how they did it Here's how, they, and the reason I can talk about this, and that it's not like under an NDA, is that they decided to sue. Bitpaid sued the insurance company that um, that was providing cybersecurity insurance because the insurance company refused to cover. Cover. Right, and this goes back to my point. Like, uh, this is you're not going to get hacked by a cyber attack. You're going to get hacked by social engineering. What was the social engineering attack? Here was the social engineering attack. A Bitcoin reporter, won't mention his name, protect the innocent here. Huh, I don't know how innocent he was. Uh, sent an email to the CFO of BitPay. That email said, hey, can you please comment on this news story? And it had a link to a Google Doc. That link to a Google Doc was not a link to a Google Doc. It was a link to a phishing website that looked like a Google Doc. And thus, the CFO entered his password and his two-factor his Google pass oh, his okay. Google password and his two-factor authentication, and then just saw an error message and thought nothing of it. So, did this hacker have to use that two FA like within twenty seconds? Like, yeah. is that how it works? Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, he probably wrote a script that did it instantly. Okay, you know, like if he just got it, like he'll have a script that will just do it. Okay, he doesn't need to be awake. And we're yeah. Yeah, so this is this is a classic and then he fishing, was in. and then he was in, and so once he was in, he he just held back and like watched what was going on. He logged into the Slack, into the CFO's Slack, you know, account, and he sat back and watched how money gets moved around. You know, he's you know what is the protocol, and he realized, hey, look, the protocol is really loose. 
all I got to do is talk to the CEO, chat, chat the CEO, you know, Stephen Pear, and be like, hey, uh, second market is buying bitcoins. They need a thousand bitcoins. Can you send it to this address? CEO's like, oh, okay. Sends the bitcoin to that holy address. Holy shit. Wow. Happens repeatedly. They should have been focused more on security and less on mm. Super Bowl parties. No comment. <laughs> I won't make you I won't make you make one. And on that note, we've been here for three and a half hours. It's it's been a good conversation. Yeah, it's I fun. think I think we're gonna have to chop this up into three. Thank you for bearing with me as I as I uh get more comfortable with this podcasting game. Uh thanks for bearing with me as I get deeper into this wine bottle. It's gone. You can't get much deeper. It is gone. If we did, we'd break some glass here on the break bar stool. But, um, yeah. So I think I'm probably going to have to break this up into a few episodes, which I'm very happy about. Um, you freaks out there, I want to thank you for listening. I know this was a dense conversation. We, <laughs> cover, we covered a lot. Uh, I, I tried to keep it light, but I, I know that I I get onto rants. Nah, I get ranting's onto rants. good, and this is again, this is a topic that people get passionate about. And yeah. it, you're not sitting, you're not with the studio in me, but if you see Pierre's passion, the way he's going through these arguments and explaining this, like it, it is visible and it's palpable. It is you can feel the energy in the room, and this is something again that that keeps bringing me back to Bitcoin is the energy around it. I don't, there's some aurora around it. There's definitely something happening here, yeah. and like you said, you argue that it's one of the biggest things in human history. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been arguing one of the biggest things in the last 500 years, <laughs> but I might extend my timeline a few to 10,000 years to, to, to accommodate that because there is a good argument to be made. We're dealing with some weird stuff. Like I said in the last episode and the first two parts, nobody's an expert on this. No. We're still figuring, figuring out what we have in our hands. Here. Folks, I'm talking out of my ass. All right. <laughs> talking out of my ass. I'm making shit up as I go. You're not talking out of your ass, and you're not making shit up. <laughs> you're making very informed decisions, but the sort of universe of variables that yes. that informs those decisions There's keeps getting bigger and bigger. There's a lot that I don't know that I don't know. That's true. Um, but with that being said, uh, I want to thank you guys for joining us. Pierre Rochard. Uh, co-founder of the Nakamoto Institute, very good software engineer. Find him on Twitter at Pierre underscore Rochard. That's P-I-E-R-R-E underscore Rochard, R-O-C-H-A-R-D. If you haven't already, get on the Nakamoto Institute. Check out everything on that website. Read that website front page to back. Uh, and keep learning. I mean, that's all that's all I can ask of, of you freaks out there is is keep trying to learn. I assume you listening to this podcast is, is an extension of that and I thank you for spending some time with us. So Marty, thanks for having me on. Audience, thanks for bearing with me. Hope and to be back on. Hopefully we'll get more into pegging the next time you're on. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. All right. Uh that's all we have for this week. Peace and love. <sighs> Awesome, man. That was a while. <laughs>